Welcome to Fuel for Today, curated audio content from Pastor Bogdan Kipko. We are confident this will fuel your faith in the one who gives faith. If you have breath in your lungs, God has a plan for your life, a plan that is far better, bigger, and immensely more than anything you have ever imagined. God has been doing some amazing things, and the way that God will bless you in your life and in my life is when we enter into a territory where God is working. And I like to look at life as a field, okay? So think about a field for a moment, regardless of whether you have a, had a farming background or not. A field takes a lot of work, right? Sowing takes a lot of work, and planting takes a lot of work. However, even though a farmer might plant something and he doesn't see immediate growth right away, it doesn't mean that it's not always going to be this way, right? There's a thing that's going to come. It's called a harvest. But if you do not plant, you're not going to experience a harvest. Are you guys with me? So in your life and in my life, if we want to experience blessings from God, in our relationships, uh, finances, in the way we interact with people, in our careers, and just in general, join Christ, we, might, we must put ourselves in the pathway of God's blessing. We must put ourselves in that pathway. So that, this is basically what I want to talk about with you guys today. And so my topic, uh, kind of like a New Year's topic, is four habits of spiritually mature people, okay? Four habits of spiritually mature people. There was a guy by the name of Jonathan Edwards, okay? And he was an 18th century re revivalist. Many people say Jonathan Edwards was the greatest theologian that the United States ever produced. And here's what he did. At age 17, he penned 21 resolutions by which he would live his life. And throughout his lifetime, he would add to this list until by his death, he had 70 resolutions, okay? And here's what he put at the top of his list. He said, being sensible that I'm unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions. And he said, remember to read over these resolutions once a week, okay? Here's what Jonathan Edwards didn't do. He didn't just casually make New Year's resolutions with an expectation of eventually breaking them. But each week he did a self-check to see if he's actually accomplishing all these resolutions, okay? Now, let's think of another theologian that came from the United States. Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes, okay? Who knows that cartoon? Calvin from, wow, four people, okay. Um, geez, I'm aging myself. So here's what's happening. Here's what Calvin once said. And it's kind of a funny thing. He said, God put me on this earth to ac accomplish a certain number of things. And then he says, right now, I'm so far behind, I'm afraid I'll never die. <laughs> right? Maybe some of us feel that way. We have so many different resolutions, so many different things we want to do, but we're like, we're so far behind in all of them. This is what I want to talk to you guys about today. I want to talk about four habits of highly spiritually mature people. And I want to begin just by reading Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. And here's what this text says. It's talking about people who God loves and to whom God looks upon. Thus says the Lord, 
Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit. He who trembles at my word. Think about it for a moment. What if this morning I told you that there's some things you can do in your life that will attract God's favor and God's attention upon you. What if we could figure out the things that God loves and that when we engage in those particular things, God ultimately will bless us. This text is talking about those things. And this morning, I want to tell you guys four things that highly spiritually mature people do. I want us to be resolved for 2016 to do these things because then we get God's blessing and we get God's favor. And I I think all of us want that. Now, here's the thing. If you want a blessing from God, you must put yourself in the pathway of God's blessing because here's here's what people tend to do. People want a blessing from God, but they want it just to come into their life. It's not going to work that way. You need to put yourself intentionally into that pathway. And this is basically a field. So as many of you guys know, whenever you've tried to do something in your life and you haven't seen immediate success, you know that it takes some time. However, what I want to talk about to you today is this, that I want a routine to become our reward, okay? The routine of things that we're doing, reading our Bibles, going to church, going to community group, sharing Christ with other people, I want that routine to become a reward. And the first thing that... Highly spiritually mature people do is this. They forgive quickly. Okay? That's the first thing I want you guys to understand. We must be people who forgive quickly. And I'll never forget this illustration that I heard from a pastor. Maybe you guys have heard this before and act like it's completely brand new. Okay? Um, So, a pastor was going to a conference. Okay? Okay? And in his house was one of his sons, super disobedient son, pretty much didn't do anything that that his dad asked him to do. And so he was a teenager. Now, what do you think is the worst thing that can happen to a teenager when their phone gets taken away, right? So with a pastor, basically, well, for adults too, like, I don't know how I'd survive. um, (laughs) So what, what happened is the pastor's like, you know what? I'm going away to this conference, but because you've been disobedient, I'm going to take away your phone for three months. Okay. He gives him basically a three-month probation without his phone. So dad leaves to the conference. Son's obviously devastated. And dad flies to the conference. In the conference, they're talking about grace. They're talking about forgiveness. They're talking about how God forgives you so many times, how we should forgive other people. And so basically, the dad is convicted of what he did. And as he's flying back home, he's thinking, thinking, thinking. He comes home. He sees his son there. He comes up to his son and he says to him, son, we're going to go with you right now to the cell phone store and I'm going to get you a brand new cell phone. And the son's like, dad, what are you talking about? You just took away my phone. The three months is not up. I do not deserve to go to the cell phone store, much less get a brand new phone. I don't deserve it. And here's what his dad says. You don't deserve to get a brand new phone. But that is exactly why I'm going to take you to the cell phone store. 
So what the dad is basically doing is demonstrating grace, demonstrating forgiveness. When you think of my life in your life, this is what God does to me and to you every single day. Amen? He takes us to the cell phone store. That's what, that's what God does. He takes us to the cell phone store. We wake up in the morning before we even thought of anything. We've already done things that are wrong. Because we sin continuously, yet God continuously forgives us. So if God has forgiven us quickly, we should forgive other people quickly as well. And here's the way that you do that. Supernaturally, you have to understand that it is possible, but naturally it is impossible. Sometimes people love to hold on to grudges, right, or not forgive people. And I always say that not forgiving somebody is like drinking poison and hoping the other person would die. Okay? It's ridiculous. Nobody should do that. Here's the reason why we often don't want to forgive other people. Because we think that other people are there for our own happiness. I have a great news today. They're not. They're not there for your happiness. Jesus is there for your happiness. And if you depend on any person, place, or thing to make you happy, you're going to be ultimately devastated. So here's what happens to you and to me in our life. We think, you know what? If this person says something wrong to me, my whole mood is going to get ruined. If this person doesn't pay attention to me, then basically my life is completely ruined. The point is this, our happiness should not depend on the performance of other people for us. Our happiness should be in the fact that Jesus knows us, we know Jesus, and we are saved by Him. That's number one. Therefore, it is much easier for me to tolerate people who are not nice to me, and it's much easier for other people to tolerate me who I'm not nice to, because Jesus forgave us quickly. Are you guys with me? That's the thing that I believe is going to change our relationships Spousal relationships, uh, families, brothers, sisters, co-workers forgiving quickly because we realize that Jesus has forgiven us. And I want us to think about that cell phone illustration. And here's the thing. When we withhold forgiveness from other people, we're denying the blessing that God has prepared for us and we're not putting ourselves in the pathway of God's blessing. The interesting part is that Jesus was asked one time how many times that people should forgive. And what did he say? What was the limit? 70 times 7, right? That's, I'm not a good mathematician, but that's a lot, right? So the point is this, though, when you can stop forgiving is when you, when somebody wrongs you 70 times, 7 times, and you forgive them that many times. The point of the text in Jesus was obviously Forgiveness that you should extend to people should be limitless. So I want to challenge you this morning on this first point. Forgiving quickly, highly spiritually mature people. You want to put yourself in the pathway of God's blessing. Who is the person or people in your life that you need to forgive right now? Don't say it out loud. Don't point any fingers. Think about it in your mind first, okay? Visualize that person. Today the scripture and Jesus is calling you to forgive them. And you can only do that when you understand how much Jesus has forgiven you. Okay? That's the first part. Forgive quickly. Now, here's the thing about forgiving other people. You're going to be hurt. Okay? In general. But being offended is inevitable. Right? It's an, we're all going to get offended somehow. It's not if, it's when. But here's the thing. Being offended is a choice. Would you guys agree? Being offended is a choice. If somebody doesn't pay attention to me, somebody says something to me that I don't like, 
I choose whether I'm going to be offended or not. And if I'm a person, I want God's blessing. I want God's favor. I want God to look upon me, my work, my career, my church, my family, my relationships. And I want him to bless all of that. What am I going to do? I want to get in the pathway of that blessing. And what's the first key to the pathway of that God's blessing? It's forgiving people quickly. So if my boss doesn't recognize me, if my spouse fails to see that I take the trash out seven times a week, if any of that stuff happens, I'm not going to get offended by that. You guys with me? If only we understood that concept, but it takes a supernatural occurrence of God to do that. So think of the people in your life that you need to forgive, and it's a choice to be offended. Now, here's the second thing. Not only should we forgive quickly, but we should also be generous frequently, okay? Be generous frequently. Here's what the Bible says, Malachi, Malachi 3.10. I love this verse. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Now, generosity is basically giving back to God what's already his in the first place. Like if we all understood that all of our possessions, time, talent, money, it's not ours, it's God's, we we would not have such a tight grip on our stuff. Ultimately, God just gave us to borrow it and to be managers of it. I have never seen a U-Haul follow a hearst, right? Like hearst, you know, when people die and stuff. Okay, yeah. I'm, nobody takes your stuff to heaven. Like, whatever you have, it's going to be gone. Like, it's done. In heaven, you're not going to need that stuff. And people have a tough time being generous because they don't understand that that's not their stuff. It's God's, and God lent it to them. And as a pastor, people ask me all sorts of crazy questions about generosity and how much they should tithe and what they should give to church. And one of the questions I love I get is people say, well, I get paid and... I have a question for you. I'm like, okay, what is it? They say, should I tithe based on my gross or based on my net? Okay, now, who works for a corporation here? Who gets a W-2? Okay, six people. Okay, everybody else is paying for those people. Okay, so here's what happens. When you work for a company, okay, you get a W-2. And what happens, what, what does Uncle Sam do? He, well, let's use a church safe language, what he does to us, right? He, he, takes, he takes money from us, basically, right? So on your paychecks, if you guys know what I'm talking about, there's a gross amount that you get, right? Which is a really big number. And then at the very, very bottom, after all these deductions and all this other stuff, right? There's a little, you know, couple dollars left for us to live on, right? That's the difference between the gross and the net. So when people say, What should I tithe on, my gross or my net? I say, okay, what do you want God to bless you on, on your gross or on your net, right? This is basically how it works. And so God in this verse is saying, why don't you test me? A lot of people say, you know what? I don't have money to pay my bills, and therefore, I don't have money to tithe. And I say, you don't have money to pay your bills because you don't tithe. That's ultimately what happens. God wants us to bless us and he wants our heart. And guess what represents our heart? Our money. Thank you for 
listening to this curated audio content from Pastor Bogdan Kipko. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired by this message. Bogdan is personally convinced that whatever fills your mind fuels your life. It is his life goal to help you faithfully follow Jesus. For more information, please visit fuelforlife.tv.